What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm UB, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy. Fantastic. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Mike Hess. Welcome back to Choose Inclusion. And I am especially uh, stoked today to talk uh, with our uh, two, second of three parts of our uh, 30th anniversary for the Americans with Disabilities Act series. And uh, as always, I am here with my amazing co-hosts, uh, Ubaldo and Nina. Say hello, guys. Hello, everyone. Hey, team. And uh, today, our special guest is uh, Mr. Jim Lebrecht, who is uh, co-producer and co-director of an absolutely amazing documentary called Crip Camp. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for honoring us with uh, your presence today. Thank you. And how are you doing? Oh, well, thank you for uh, inviting me to join you. I'm doing really well today. I'm calling in from Oakland, California, and it happens to be a beautiful sun, sunny day. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Jim, uh, thank you again for joining us. And uh, please give us a little bit of history on uh, uh, the evolution of the, the, the documentary Crip Camp, please. Well, um, I'd be happy to do so. I, um, you know, I've been working in audio post-production for my whole career uh, in theater and then moved into film. And um, I've been working in documentary film for well over 25 years. But as a lowly sound mixer and sound designer and not a director, um, I co-directed and co-produced Crip Camp with a wonderful filmmaker, Nicole Newnham. And Nicole and I have been friends. I've been her sound designer on three of her previous feature-length doc feature documentaries. Um, and as she was wrapping up her last film, uh, which was called uh, The Revolutionary Optimists, she and I went out for lunch and we're catching up and, you know, I, I hadn't really seen a film that I thought was really a great film that, that really looked at the our community, the disability community. Uh, certainly not one that I thought was really gonna shift perceptions on disabilities. Um, but, you know, I was, I was there pitching different ideas to, to Nicole about other films and then sheepishly, I kind of said at the end of the conversation, you know, I'd like to see a doc, I've always wanted to see a documentary about my summer camp. And I think there's a connection there to the, to the disabled civil rights movement. And perhaps I was sheepish about it because as she told me later, she was thinking, oh yeah, everybody thinks their summer camp was so special. But as she related the story to me, she, you know, as I started talking about this exodus of people from the New York area up to Berkeley and, um, you know, what the camp was like, which was this very freewheeling camp run by hippies, she got more and more interested. And I, um, and so long story short, after her kind of digging around and thinking about it and talking to people, she decided that she would love to do a film about the camp. And, um, and she asked me to co-direct with her. 
which was uh, a wonderful, uh, really a wonderful offer, which really I think was the, a, a smart decision because the two of us um, working together side by side, I think, you know, our collaboration really yielded what um, has turned out to be a really, really good film. I think one of the things that I absolutely loved about Crip Camp was that, you know, as, as a person who's worked in social justice for a while, I feel like, you know, in the American school system, you, you learn about the civil rights movement, you learn about MLK, um, you learn about, you know, at least some part of black history, but you never really learn about other civil rights movements, like, you know, rights for people with disabilities. And, you know, the documentary starts off talking about kind of the camp, but the story evolves into an incredible historical lesson about the fight for rights for people with disabilities and like the unique challenges that faced and kind of the history that's been completely covered up in a way, you know, for, for most Americans. I mean, what kind of reaction have you seen from people since the documentaries come out about that? Well, you know, I, I have to say that we very consciously chose to tell a very specific story. And as I'm sure you're aware, there are many stories around our community that have not been told yet or have been very much un underrepresented. But we wanted to track the folks from Camp Jeanette, including Judy Human and others, kind of across their lives and their, um, and their connection to the passage of the HEW 504 regulations and the continuing struggle that resulted in the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. But I think the thing that, um, that I think we're both very, very proud of is that um, we were able to be a bit more inclusive when it came to really kind of talking about our history um, and that our impact campaign that we have going on right now, we've really uh, handed it over to people who are deeply involved in the disability justice movement. And one of the crowning um, you know, uh, parts of our impact campaign has been a series of Sunday afternoon webinars, which we're calling you know, a virtual crip camp. And, um, and, and we've been able to talk about so many different topics from you know, self-care self and the history of, of African-Americans and the disability rights movement. Um, talking about sex and sexuality, and you know, we had one just last week that was like, "I effed up. Now what do I do?" <laughs> and um, it's been a great um, coming together. We have over nine thousand people that have signed up for these these uh, Zoom seminars, and uh, you know, I, in general, I think the impact of the film has been just wonderful. We hear from people throughout the world. And people are finding community. And when we were making the film, I think that the absolute key word that we always kept in our minds was community. Yeah, that that's so freaking cool. And you know, one of the things we always talk about is is how you know how technology really is, you know, kind of the the great equalizer. And I love that now, after telling the story of the original camp you have the ability to bring so many more people into that community and give, give 
kids who were your, you know, who are your age were, you know, are your age now that you were when you went to the camp, the ability to connect. Cause it just, it was like you said, inclusion. And that's, I mean, obviously that's kind of what we're focused on, on this, on this program. And it, you just saw that you could kind of feel it from watching the first parts of the film. And by the way, I love that, man, how you had all that footage. I love it. I love, I mean, just seeing the original footage of the camp, you could just feel it. And that's, I wish, you know, I wish you could, <laughs> well, you, you did, you bottled it up and now it's being used to, I hope, create inclusion across so many other communities. But um, yeah, I mean, how has, have you seen, how have you seen technology? I mean, what, did you know, like now was the right time to make this documentary? Well, um, what, well, first off, we started this about five years ago, or it was like five years between kind of this initial launch and our our premiere at Sundance uh, in January of this year. Um, uh, well, I mean, there's so many things about technology and, and how we all use it that have changed over the years. When you think about one of the stories in the film is how Judy Human, who had started Disabled in Action in New York, organized blocking an intersection in Manhattan and basically shutting down the island uh, by this traffic uh, jam that they caused. There was no internet, there was no accessible transportation. So I, you know, I, you know people were working on off of phone trees where one person would put out uh, the message and then that person called a couple of other people and those other people called other folks. Um, and and somehow everybody, you know, it wasn't like there were thousands of people blocking the street, but when you watch the watch or experience the film on, on Netflix, you know, it, it didn't take much more than maybe a 30 or 40 people to really um, um, draw attention to what was going on. So, and I have to say that many of us with disabilities have been asking our employers to let us work from home and via Zoom or other ways of working. And they said, no, 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 that's not, that's not possible. No one's gonna, you know, be that, you know, uh, uh, you know, disciplined to do this. And all of a sudden, hey, we can do this. Isn't that great? So, I mean, it's kind of ironic. And, um, but the one other aspect I have to say is that we had a number of different screenings planned and we are accepted in a bunch of different film festivals. Um, and in fact, Nicole and I were, were about to head over to Europe when the pandemic hit and everything was canceled. Well, one of the things that was very important to us when screening the film was making sure that people could get into the movie theaters and that there was enough wheelchair seating and that our film was accessible to people. Uh, now, being able to watch it on Netflix um, we don't have to worry about how many wheelchairs can get into the theater and that the accessibility features um, uh, of Crypt Camp are pretty good. We've got audio descriptions and captioning in more languages than they've ever done before. And uh, there's even a script that people who are deafblind can download from the Netflix uh, website so they can experience the film as well. I... I, and I so blind myself, and I love the uh, the AD. It's um, I I've, I've I've watched I watched the documentary a couple of times, and I got to tell you, like I've I've cried both you know both times watching 
watching this because I, um, in this time I was watching it with my, with my son and, um, you know, and he, and he, and he reaches over to me and he's like, dad, it's okay. And then I'm like, no, I, I, um, there are so many messages in this gym that resonate that we've felt, uh, from a people with disabilities community that it's the word community is, is, uh, is, is critical. And so, um, so thank you. I mean, I, I, I wish, there's no way I can thank you enough for putting that message out there that uh, building a community around people with disabilities, because one of the things I, I talk about from my day job is again, uh, how, uh, how much of an untapped resource professionals with disabilities truly are out there. And yes, now that, uh, you know, with the atrocities of George Floyd, um, in the pandemic, I believe now is the perfect time for professionals with disabilities to truly be a viable talent resource. And so I, um, you know, again, from, from when you were a young man, right, uh, maybe just getting into the employment world to now, I'd love to get a little, um, you know, do, do, do you feel like uh, there's enough that's going on that really talks about employment that really uh, do you feel like uh, now is the time for people with disabilities? I'd love to get some of your insights there. Well, certainly as a wheelchair user, the passage of the 504 regulations and the ADA um, started opening up doors for me that were really closed in the past. And one of the examples, you know, we talk about in, in Crip Camp was that I started off my career at the Berkeley Repertory Theater. Now, fortunately, for me, uh, I was born in Spina Bifida, never been able to walk. Uh, my parents never moved out of the split-level house and uh, saw no reason why I shouldn't share the upstairs uh, of the house with, uh, you know, you know the, the, the two bedrooms upstairs, one for my sister, one for myself. So I was climbing up and down three flights of stairs every day. So going to work in theater, I was able to move around the theaters that were not accessible. But when the Berkeley Rep opened up their new at the time 40 years ago new theater in downtown berkeley you know it was accessible there were ramps there was an elevator and and it made a big difference but you know before that and still dealing with a lot of old theaters you know there was one job in which i had to drive somewhere and show them that i could crawl up a flight of stairs and in that job i left one wheelchair downstairs and my spare chair upstairs so that i could work at this theater um, so I, you know, things have changed for the better. Um, and in reality, in the world of filmmaking, it used to be, um, you know, audio post-production and, and, uh, film editing used to involve a lot more physical labor because we had these big reels of film that we were editing together and such. And now, uh, everything is done in front of a computer, which makes it a lot, just, just a lot easier for folks to, uh, to, do their job and it doesn't call for so much physical endurance or uh, dexterity, dexterity before uh, that we needed before. Um, I will say that to your point, um, I, I was a, I'm a co-founder of a group called Forward Doc, which is, stands for Filmmakers with Disabilities Dash Documentary. And, um, and we have about a hundred members in this group now. And we are making really, we're starting to really see our impact in joining with other groups working in the documentary film, film world to really talk about 
you know, the issues around disability that are rather particular. And one of them that I feel is really important is that one cannot measure a person's um, uh, value by their endurance and that you, or their ability to pick up a 20 pound box. Uh, and that that is no measure of their commitment to doing this work. And by having these old kind of filters, we're not allowing people into the business that would be a benefit to everybody to have included. Jim, I think like the, one of the powerful experiences of Crip Camp is kind of the, the emotional connection audiences make when they're watching it. I mean, it's a, it's a great movie, not just from the, the kind of human touch standpoint, but then there's the historical standpoint. There's the kind of the cultural standpoint. There's just so many different angles on this. What was, what was your favorite part about making this film that took you five years to make? Um, I, I think that, you know, I don't remember exactly what the scene was, but I remember coming into the editing room one day, a little bit later in the day, and Nicole had been uh, working with uh, our editor, and I watched a, a scene they put together, and it was kind of started tearing up, and they kind of going, you know, maybe people will finally understand. And, you know, I'm not clear about what that exactly was, but I think that maybe the emotional content that you're feeling, Mike, and that I've heard from so many other people was, <laughs> you know, is that finally there's something out there that really talks about the discrimination and talks about how we've been perceived and that is a compelling story around how we should be regarding everyone, not just simply people with disabilities, but anybody else that we other. So, uh, you know, I, I we kind of early on, I, I, I saw a message on Facebook and somebody said, you know, for the first time in my life, I feel knowable. And I, that's a really low bar, you know? And, and it really touched me very, very deeply that, you know, we have something that, um, with this film that maybe talks about our experience in a way that cannot be achieved from looking from the outside but it was only possible by us looking from the inside. What, what do you feel like can be accomplished even more now? Like the films out there, you're, you're, these reactions are coming in from all over the world. The story is being told. Like what, in your mind, what, using that momentum, like what's the next step? What, what, what change can come from this that hasn't, we haven't seen yet? Well, we're starting to get some anecdotal uh, information that that there are some politicians that have seen the film and are kind of reconsidering what their organizations organizations or their policies have been, and that happened very quickly after Sundance, where uh, a group of uh, they, they get at Sundance the local Utah uh, you know politicians and and folks. Uh, uh, get to choose a film and they chose Crip Camp and we heard that one person said who works you know is on the county-wide level says I'm going to go back and relook at what we're doing I don't think we are addressing the needs of people with disabilities so I think the most important thing is that conversations are happening that people are taking a look at their bias and and the stigma 
around disability and talking about it and looking at what they do in their own lives, um, um, whether they're policymakers or whether they're just folks hanging out talking. Um, so I mean, I, I, and I think what needs to still happen, um, you know, I'd like to be able to get on an airplane and sit in my wheelchair so that I don't risk having it damaged. And I'd like to be able to use a, a bathroom on an airplane. That would, that would be really novel. And, um, and I, I think that our fight for healthcare and support that allows us to live in our homes is essential. And, uh, and the, the lack of support for us to do more than maybe sit up in bed, if we're lucky even to have that, is a, a real shame uh, in our society. I could go on, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, Jim, I, I got to tell you, so I, I think that's, and I, we want to be completely respectful. I know you are uh, in demand. We are so honored to have you as part of our uh, Choose Inclusion uh, celebration of the Americans with Disabilities 30th uh, anniversary episode. I, um, I, 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 love the, uh, I love the documentary. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for uh, continuing to the, to uh, battle uh, here at Choose Inclusion, we we're we're all about uh, how organizations can um, again become more inclusive, um, and that's with all people. It really is. And so, thank you for uh, what you do and how you do it. It's very meaningful. Uh, Ubaldo, Nina, thank you guys so much for honoring me today and being part of this episode as well. Well, on you know on behalf of myself and Nicole Noonan. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting uh, us to talk on and, and me to talk on your podcast. And I just wish you all the best and keep fighting. We we will. Thank you, Jim, so much. Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, audience. As always, check out chooseinclusion.com. And, um, you know, as Mike said in the intro, this is the second in a three-part series honoring the 30th anniversary of the ADA. So stay tuned for more and we'll check y'all later. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.com.